Hi. Hello there. Yeah, you. Yeah, you, rise guys, rise gals. <laughs> How's it going? It's me, Russ Fader. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> it started, the where it ended, I was more comfortable with where it started. Yeah? Yeah. Where it started was like uh, some. there was this old Skinamax show sure. about a late night radio talk show where people would call in and tell dirty stories and then you'd watch the story, mm -hmm. I think, you know? Okay, And that's sure. what she sounded like and that was making me really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But then by that's the end, you... That's what I was going for, John. Huh? That's what I was going for, John. Yeah, I figured. You nailed it. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Well, this is the show. <laughs> this is this is mad about mad about you. Your weekly mad about you recap podcast, as ever, and as mentioned earlier, I am Russ. Fader. And I'm John Marbley. It is good to be back, John. How are you? Great. <laughs> good. I couldn't help but notice a slight hesitation. Yeah. Uh, no reason are though. You... No reason to hesitate. I'm great. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great. I'll, I'll keep an eye on this yeah. throughout, the, throughout the podcast. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. I had the day off from work today. I oh. went and saw Dunkirk. Oh, wow. It, was it great? Should I yes. go see it? It was very good. You should go see it. I'm not much of a war movie guy, uh -huh. and I'm definitely not a war movie in the theaters guy, mm -hmm. but I like I liked the idea of it. Really got you into war. And so, oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, oh, now I'm very, I'm a real hawk now. <laughs> I got there and I was just like, okay, time to watch this movie. And then within the first 10 seconds, there's lots of gunfire because, of course, there is. Yeah. It's about World War II. Right. It caught me off guard and took me by surprise. And I was like, oh, right. Lots of lots of shooting in war movies, just mostly shooting in war movies. This is what a lot of this movie is going to be. Plus, it's fair, Christopher but yeah. Nolan. Yeah, the, but that is that is true. But, uh, but I'm like, yeah, plus no, it's Christopher sure. Nolan. So it's just going to be high pressure plus lots of gunfire. I was not ready for it, which was not smart on my part, because like we said, it's a war movie. Yeah, incredibly obvious. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like. Oh, there were these twists that I wasn't that caught me yeah, off guard. It sounds like it you like, walked up being like, it was so loud and the screen was so <laughs> big. <laughs> and why were there so many people in there? I there just were wanted no to watch a movie. On. No lights on in the whole room. <laughs> I couldn't see anything. Plus all this food being sold, <laughs> yeah. snacks. What am I in a restaurant or a movie theater? <laughs> When I watch this at home, I don't have to eat. <laughs> uh, I saw Landline. Oh, yeah? How was it? Amazing. Everyone should go yeah? see it. Cool. No gunfire, but a lot of oh, emotional fire. I'm a lot of emotional fire. Okay. It's uh, Edie Falco, John Turturro, Jenny Slate, Jay Duplass, and then this girl I'd never seen before who's incredible, whose name I forgot. <laughs> cool. It's so good. It's just a it's a 90s New York uh, dramedy. I like that. Yeah. Everyone Clearly. should go see it. It's a very small indie, I think. Kind of. Amazon Studios is behind it now, but it's in very limited release. Okay. So I feel so, good getting the word out. Yeah. Middle America, Rise Guys and Rise Gals. <laughs> Get yourself out to one That's, of the major yeah. cities. No, or yeah, every every town has an art house. That's true. It might be That's playing true. in with some of those. Come on, Russ. 
I apologize. Get out of your I little uh, bubble there. My my liberal wheat berry bubble. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that term. That was a hit. Not me. Big time, baby. Yeah, I think that was I had fun with it then. Trending in I'm my uh, fun text with it messages now. from you. <laughs> from me. <laughs> it seems right. Yeah, that was a that was a hit with the guy who said it. Uh, <laughs> John, yeah, we're into season two. Indeed, like we're in it deep. Episode twenty-four, now. aka season mm-hmm. two. Episode two. We're still on Thursday Title. nights. Thank God. Still on Thursdays. Title: Bing Bang Boom. Yes, indeed. Uh, Aired on September twenty-third, nineteen ninety-three. Yes, yes, my father's birthday. Happy birthday, Mr. Marble. Thank you. It was right before we moved to the Philippines. Wow. Like a couple weeks later, I think. How long were you out there? Four years. That's a lot of time. Yeah, it is. Especially when you're a kid. That's half your life. Yeah. Or a third. Or a yeah, quarter, yeah, at yeah. least. <laughs> Math isn't too yeah. good out in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was talking to my friend about that today, actually, how I liked it was such a switch from American public school. It was great because there was a group of kids who were like, can we skip recess and do sixth grade math in fifth grade? And we oh, my God, the teacher was like, of course. (laughs) Wow. And that's what we would do. We'd do that and play Carmen Sandiego on the computer. Oh, I did both of those things, except it was a lot less well received, which is to say I was just like (laughs) all the other kids would go out and play recess. And I would just be like, hey, teacher, I'm going to hang out here and read in your classroom. okay?" yeah. And she was like, yeah, that's fine. And so I did that for many recesses. Yeah, I get it. I get Um, the concern. Yeah, for sure. And then Carmen Sandiego, my parents fought tooth and nail for me to be accepted into uh, advanced classes. They brought people, they brought students in in third grade. I didn't get in in third grade. And then, you know, every year and midway through fourth grade, they were like, Russ, you're going to be in sales, the advanced program. And I was like, it's oh called my sales. I was students advanced in learning. It's school. called sales. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to be in sales. It's an acronym. Hey, Russ, you show us, you showed a lot of promise. <laughs> Yeah. We're going to put you in sales. There's a little bell. Every time you learn anything, just hit it. We'll put a thing up on the wall. First place, encyclopedia. Second place is you're fired. <laughs> you're a dropout. Hit the bricks, kid. Yeah. It was, yeah. These are the, the Glengarry Glen leads. Facts. Yeah. Back in, yeah. yeah. But. So I was like, oh, <laughs> this is so great. The, Thank you. People that wrote these, fact check them. <laughs> and you do not get them because you are not a fifth grader. So they would be wasted on you. So I got in halfway through fourth grade, very excited, very happy, decided to spend most of my time like because it was like once a week for three hours a day. I think that's what it was. Oh. And I would and they were just like, you go in there and you work on projects. And I worked on some projects, but also. They had a computer and they had Carmen San Diego, and that is where yes. I focused most of my time. Hundred percent to the yeah to the point where the teacher was just like, "Hey Russ, you need to not play Carmen San Diego and start doing actual learning here." Well, like, hey teacher, I was like, you oh, need to right. not let me then like get the computer <laughs> out of there and don't let me establish a habit. <laughs> yeah, thanks for making this their problem. I appreciate yeah. Why don't it. you just bring heroin in and then criticize me for doing it? <laughs> Oh, we did that. That was in fifth grade. <laughs> we, we all had to develop and then kick heroin addiction. <laughs> Long Island is crazy. Uh, I mean, that's true. 
so tell me what the TV guide TV guide had to say. It's please, <laughs> please. It's very. It's actually very good. It's very good. Okay. It's a little wordy, but I don't think anything's extraneous. I don't know. I don't know who wrote this. Well, is it Shakespeare? No, there's no flourish. Oh, we've, we've moved on. It's we've moved accurate, on from but you know, slightly bigger words than normal. Quote: Unreturned okay. phone calls and Murray's invisible mouse distract Paul and Jamie from romance during a long-awaited evening together. Okay, now that I read it out loud, there's some. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we need to know about Murray's invisible mouse in the TV guide description, but I get the I get the impulse. Sure, it's understandable. I'm gonna give this three it's, stars um... out of five. Three out of five. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, that's certainly passable. That's literally passable. It's Great. it's less clunky to give a few examples, I think, than to try and just explain like, oh, there's distractions around the house. Because then it sounds like the distractions are the reveal, but really it is about right. that the fact that there are distractions. You know what? Four four stars. Four stars. Ooh, you're talking yourself up. Yeah, yeah. Good for this guy. Hey, yeah. Okay. No, I mean, great for. T- I'm glad TV Guide found someone new who uh, who's good at their job. We'll see him again next week. Sounds like uh, someone who's probably came out of sales. This guy, yeah. Let's see. We'll name this person Keith after a dude named Keith who I was in sales with. Okay, Keith. We'll see you next week. Keith. Oh, he was a real killer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or should we call him Mitch and Murray? Because <laughs> <laughs> very good. yeah, sure, Mitch and Murray. Mitch and Murray working for. <laughs> or, or should we call him Jerry Graff? Also possible. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How many names of characters yeah. that are unseen in that play can we name? One million. I think all of them. <laughs> what was on uh, What was on TV? You're watching NBC. Well, I'll tell you. A real piece of garbage was on TV tonight. On ABC at 8 o'clock, a show I had never heard of called Missing Persons was on TV. Fiction or, or real documentary? It is a fiction. Okay. It is a drama. Okay. In the vein of your law and order. Oh, okay. It's a police procedure. Sure. Oh, that sounds a whole great. Bunch, starring a whole bunch of Chicago actors. Like Gary Sinise and John Mahoney? <laughs> <laughs> is that everyone's go-to? <laughs> no, it's not starring them. But Rich I do Macy? appreciate you just deciding to just like, just start spouting off Chicago actors. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, uh, no, they were they were not in it. Who was in it? Eric King was in this. Never heard of him. He was in Dexter. He played Dokes. Did not Dexter. like that show. Keep going. I stuck around for a while, and then halfway through, I gave up and didn't regret giving up after all. Who else was in it? Frederick Weller. Never heard of him. Does that name ring a bell? No. Yeah, you've seen him. He uh, he's he's a Neil Butte guy. He's in The Shape of Things. He's the friend in The Shape of Things. Oh, the friend, Russ. And, uh, who? I don't know the friend. I mean, I vaguely remember. Well, I him. also I, I saw him on Broadway in Glengarry. Oh, really? In uh, 06? Yeah. Yeah, he played Williamson. Oh, boy, did I want to see that. He played Williamson. It was so good. Yeah, it was so, that was such oh, a good And Al Pacino cast. played uh, no. Levine? Oh, you know what? It wasn't, right? o- it wasn't 06. It wasn't Oh, it was 06. the new one. Or, or if it was... It was the if, new one where Al Pacino Al, played Levine. Yes, Al Pacino in played Levine. In the old Levine, one, Al Pacino... In, yes, in 06. In, in the old one, and Al Pacino was had nothing it? to do with it. Or yeah, he, he had was, nothing to do with it. So, yes, I'm mixed up. Yeah. Al Pacino was the first Ricky Roma. Then he played Shelley Levine maybe four years years ago yes in 06 it was leah schreiber yes, leah schreiber as ricky roma being unbelievable and alan alda oh as, that's uh, right Ugh. i moved to the city one year after that and i never saw it and it kills me jeffrey tambor was in it yeah. tom wopat oh wow it was great Wolf-de-woo. it was great yeah frederick and frederick weller who i do not like and that continues to this day oh uh, why 
I just don't think he's a very good actor. Oh, he okay. Kind of, he's either he's either always smarmy or always uh, flat or worse, both. He's not a fun like he plays the bad guy a lot, and I don't have fun watching him be the bad guy. Well, that sounds like a you problem and not a Weller problem, you know? He keeps getting cast, so you're clearly right. <laughs> Who else? Or I don't know if I care. Well, Georgia Fox was in it from CSI. Oh, CSI, um, of course, my favorite show. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know you're more of a CSI Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. That's a, that You were in NCIS Los Angeles. I'm getting my initial shows confused. Oh, for, Apolog- with good apologies. reason. There's too many. I watched a little bit of this episode and it was boring. It made me just think like and not like not it it looked really cheaply done, really poorly done, like everything was done with one camera, so there's two actors and you're whipping between them. It looked like it was a college show. Oh. It looked like a college show. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. A college show. And it made me, what is that? A, you're saying that like that's a term. That's not a term. Okay. That was a it real pro- college like, show. You know college TV? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, <laughs> did you used to watch college TV? All those college shows were on there, and I, they all looked the same. And there was such a f- <laughs> similar aesthetic, because I'd go to my buddy, visit my buddy's college, and I'd watch his college TV, and those college shows looked like our college shows. And, you know, there's such a common aesthetic that I think everyone knows that I think we could just call it... <laughs> A college show aesthetic. John, when you're in college, you're not typically as good as you will become <laughs> when you're professional. So I see. That's what I meant. Oh, I get it. Okay. Not that college is its own classification. Can I tell you something? So I apologize. I'm pretty what? sure I knew that was what you meant. <laughs> you knew that. I'd like to tell you something. John. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So... Yeah, it made me really appreciate Law and Order and NYPD Blue for being well written and well well produced NYPD and Blue. I mean, my God, you're yeah. written by one of the greatest TV writers of all time. You're right, David Milch. You're right. Yeah, but those shows are great. This show is not. But I'll tell you what I like most about this show. Well, first of all, little tidbit: in 2010, it was released on DVD in part of a box set called Primetime Crime, the Stephen J. Cannell Collection. Oh, no! It was released by Mill Creek Entertainment. Hey! The distributors of the full, complete series of Mad About You. Available on Amazon for less than $30 right this instant. Absolutely. No, less than 30 <laughs> Yeah, it was, the, it was when we purchased it. Oh, I it. thought we paid 35 Did we not? No. No, I paid $28. Oh, man. <sighs> so, Boy, you know what a real success would be for this podcast? If we got that number to budge up a little. Just a little. <laughs> just somewhere in the 30 and change would be so satisfying. Absolutely. It'd be very good. The best part of this show, as far as I can see, are the names of the episodes. Because the episodes, they named all their episodes after quotes from the show. And they are all very terrible. <laughs> So number the episode one is the pilot. It's just called pilot. Number two, the episode from the one that I watched from September 23rd, 1993 is called Cabe. What kind of a name is that? Honestly, that's not a bad title because that was my first question right after hearing you say Cabe. (laughs) I really was about to say Cabe. What is that? (laughs) You could write for this. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Episode three, people don't talk to cops. People lie to cops. Episode four, I can't even imagine. Five, wow. that's my sister, pal. Are you joking? Number six. It sounds six, like he's a written man- by a TV guide guy. The old one. Yeah. Number six, the man's an emotional termite. Number seven, some people's priorities. Wait, these are just lines from the sh- from that episode, though, right? They are. They are. But they pulled these names, these lines from the episode and made them the names of the episode. There's a subtitle 
at the beginning of episode two that says, Cabe, what kind of a name is that? Yeah, that's not it a... It says it in text. It says it in text on the yeah, screen. Yeah, that's not a crazy that's approach, That's the name though. of the title. Oh, it's not a crazy approach. I think the They're Shield just not did very that, good. maybe. Did they have them with... <laughs> was, were any episodes of the Shield called Right Neighborhood, Wrong Door? That's a great name. Or how hard is it just to get off at the next exit? Wait, what? What was the last one? My be- <laughs> How hard is it just to get off at the next exit? Or... My beautiful son is okay. I mean, these are all questions I'm constantly asking myself. (laughs) How hard is it to get off at the next exit? Answer, well, it depends. (laughs) Well, that was the name of the next episode. Well, it depends. Yeah, the the episode names are just in dialogue with each other constantly. Yeah. (laughs) Episode, yeah, episode 24 is How Did You Sleep, Honey? (laughs) Episode 25? Fine. Not so bad. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> but we never found out because the show got canceled. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make it past episode 17. That's not bad. I watched a little bit of this show. It was, uh, like I said, it was pretty boring. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to report but for the names. You are not missing people when you miss missing persons. Very good. Very good. There you go. <laughs> What on what 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 in the world was happening in the world? From WNBC TV, this is News for New York with Chuck Scarborough and Pat Harper. Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Chelsea, neighborhood mystery. Vacant lot awaits its pool and beach. Interesting. It's still vacant except for the parked cars. That fenced-in lot of dreams on the east... (laughs) A lot of dreams. On the east side of the Avenue of Americas between 22nd and 23rd Streets. It's been vacant for something like 40 years. Some years ago, the lot sprouted a sign proclaiming future home of the New York Health and Racquet Club. The lot's owner, blah, 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 planned to transform it into the jewel of his health and racket club chain. The future arrived, the club didn't, and the lot and its sign became objects of local bafflement and derision. Nearly two years ago, the sign simply disappeared. Then last spring, an entrepreneur named Marco Ricotta, like the cheese, came forth with a new proposal for a temporary pool club called Manhattan Beach Club promising to bring his own sand and trees. He won a string of city (laughs) approvals, but once again, the deal fell through. Uh, This guy had a a dream of a beach on 6th Avenue between 22nd and 23rd. That sounds just, oh, that sounds great. Really giving Madison Square Park a run for its money. (laughs) You guys going to the park or the beach for lunch? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how the wind blows us. Yeah. <laughs> when the I was way better a block over <laughs> by the beach. <laughs> what? When my brother was in high school, <laughs> he thought it would be a lot of fun. Up. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. He thought it would be a lot Jaws of fun to have happens beach over on Sixth Avenue. <laughs> Guys, there's a shark over. <laughs> there's a shark in our Broadway. They're like, not my problem. <laughs> We're dealing with an alien that doesn't obey traffic laws on his bicycle. <laughs> oh man, my brother, my brother had beach chairs in his room for like additional seating. <laughs> I get that for friends, so it was fun. And I didn't do that when I was in high school, but I was like, oh, this would be good to do in college. And I went to school down in metropolitan DC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and do so, people call it that? no, they don't. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know if that was like a local term. To, no, it's a 
the city. When I got down there, I was like, oh, we'll just go to, I was like, I want to bring some beach chairs for my dorm, but we'll just get them nearby because why wouldn't they have them? so we'll go to target or something in the area right and they don't have beach yeah, chairs you, fool, you idiot in the <laughs> in the middle yes. of the city did you ask a clerk and so, yeah they sure did look at us like we were crazy uh, people. yeah you stupid, and we were just, stupid people yeah but also we were just like oh yeah beach chairs why wouldn't you have them this is long island right <laughs> just like <laughs> You mean everybody doesn't always have beach chairs? I think it's a fair assumption. I mean, is it that different from a lawn chair? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're embarrassing yourself. Are beach chairs now. very low to the ground? Is that the difference? Yes. Oh, yeah. So beach chairs suck, <laughs> and lawn chairs are good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you had to. I didn't know that. That's what the distinction is. That's what the distinction is, yes. Dateline. Go ahead. About New York. Four-footed immigrant makes it in the big city. Okay. Everyone take it easy. <laughs> We're going to get through this. Russ, Russ looks like he's holding his breath. <laughs> A little nervous. I'm just... This could, be, this could be anything. It's not clear what went wrong for Cody back in Australia, or why it was he left his native land to come here at so young an age. But the literature is full of precedence. After all, frisky young aristocrats have long set out to prove themselves in America. Some arrive to seek adventure, some to overcome early failure, or to recover from sex and love gone wrong. Well, let me cut to the chase. Cody's a Thanks. horse. <laughs> And this is a beautiful, brilliant story written by some guy named Michael Kaufman about a horse <laughs> trying to make it as an actor in New York. Because <laughs> he was once a promising racehorse. And I guess this is what I, you know, there's scouts, I guess. It looked like in Long Island, maybe, who they're sort of an animal animal theatrical uh supply or casting office <laughs> sure they must have their eyes out on uh you know animals around the world or something and they brought this horse cody in in cody's case the early years in this country were spent in personal service after what seems to have been a short and all too slow stint pulling a sulky in sydney as a trotter a sulky or whatever blah blah, blah. okay yeah mm -hmm. uh, uh he was bought at an auction by a long island estate owner for his daughter Oh, Russ, the town you come from is, the island you come from is so funny. Pretty great. Literally bought a horse for his kid. Uh, I had the pony. <laughs> but the father eventually sold the estate and the horse found himself career-wise at a critical crossroad. Huh. Oh, sure. That's where this agent It happens to every in. horse. Yeah. So Cody's eight. Uh, he's 15 hands, which is medium size. Right. Blah, 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 blah. So Cody went to work along with his stable baits, for the most part, heavy footed and more plotting draft animals. Oh, I don't know what that sentence is. Just ignore it. Oh, basically, <laughs> <laughs> Cody, while trying to break into show business, uh -huh. was a handsome cat. It happens to the best Trotting of us, around Central Park, trying to make ends meet. Wow. <laughs> like, it's so this insane. This is the saddest story. Within a few this weeks, is... Mrs. McGill, his agent, sent Cody and three other horses to audition for the Metropolitan Opera production of Puccini's Fanchula del West. The role was demanding, sure. calling for a horse that could wait calmly through a lot of singing and then gallop out on cue with a soprano on his back, coming to a complete and sudden stop. A horse can hang Special around skills. Broadway for years and never get to play the Met, but Cody won the job in a walk. Since then, he's been back in La Boheme and Aida. He's also hey. done movies. He worked with Tracy Ullman. I love that this story has such a happy ending. Also, Mayor Dinkins wrote in on him at the Democratic nominating convention. Wow. Oh, Dinkins, take it easy. 
Uh, oh, wow. He winning on cue on Conan O'Brien's first late night television show as David Letterman's replacement. That's so funny. <laughs> Can you believe that? This is great. It's a rags to riches. It. Yeah. Or a hay this to the, heaven. The, Ameri- the American dream. Indeed. <laughs> Though I am sick of Australian actors coming over here just taking our jobs. Oh, just come on. Let's keep things local. Yeah. Come on, Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Now we turn to some more New York. Okay, so this is a great news section. It's going to be a little long because I figured out a better way to get more interesting news out of the New York Times website. Okay. So this next article is about the schmata business. (laughs) As it's so casually called by all the people we love. Sure. Mm -hmm. Dateline. In the rag trade, they also serve who pleat. So some of these sentences I'm reading, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) You don't know what they mean? I don't know how to parse them. (laughs) I think I suspect sometimes when say that one again in the rag trade. They also serve okay. who pleat. You're not alone. That sentence doesn't make sense. great. The business of putting <laughs> pleats into skirts, dresses and sleeves is under siege. The aggressor in a word pants. There's nothing worse for pleating than pants. Anthony Bonanno, owner of the SF pleating and stitching company in Brooklyn, said gravely. <laughs> In the rag trade, people read hemlines the way fortune tellers read tea leaves. Sudden changes, in this case up or down, bode ill for business. But even worse for the handful of pleaters still in operation these days are the mixed messages designers have sent over the last few seasons. Is the style long or short or a hybrid? This is so real, though. When zippers become popular, purveyors of buttons and buttonholes go out of business. When boning is in favor, those who sell elastic tighten their belts. Oh, you're having fun. You never think. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're having fun, New York Times. (laughs) (laughs) You never think of the ebb and flow of of what what happens with fashion. Yeah, I feel like New York City, at least at the time, maybe it still is, is just like a menagerie of microeconomies. And this article is about several of them. In one, yeah. in just fashion. The button people, the zipper not people. Just, not just New York City, John. This is the way the world works. Fair. No, no, only in New York. <laughs> no, only in New York. Only in New York. You know, that's kind of true because how many times you hear about, you know, uh, if you didn't do X in that town, you didn't have any job <laughs> or you didn't have any place. In New York, it's like, no, nah, there's a lot to do here. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pie, one of the few pleaders who's busy these days, has actually had to subcontract out some work. Mr. Banano is also churning out machine pleats for fancy evening dresses. He has a large order for the latest rage in fashion, long flowing skirts and floral fabric stamped with narrow broom twist pleats. If you tell me this guy hired a horse... <laughs> Then, oh, three years ago, pleats were much bigger. 7th Avenue kept 25 shops busy pleating garments. It's down to 15. That is too much pleating. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it is amazing and embarrassing. (laughs) Fashion was a nightmare. We loved pleats. (laughs) Yeah, think of how many pleats that is a day just being pumped into the city. (laughs) And then sent around the world. An embarrassing amount. Uh, Dateline. Go ahead. Columnist injured in car crash. (laughs) (laughs) All right, relax, Russ. No, we did at the same time, though. That's true. Uh, Russ, have you ever heard of a columnist named Mike McAlary? No. Doesn't ring a bell? No. Famous columnist from the 80s and 90s. You're shaming me now? No, I didn't know who he was until a few years (laughs) ago. Real off. Famous. Just a real famous guy. (laughs) (laughs) Before I... Before we read the paper, the subject <laughs> of the play Lucky Guy, remember that on Broadway? Yes. With Tom Hanks? With uh, Tom Hanks. Nora yeah. Ephron's final uh, mm-hmm. script? 
Yes. Directed by George C. Scott. Mm-hmm. George C. Wolf. Ugh, I always do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I went with you. I was just like, yes, after he was patent and dead yeah. for a while. <laughs> he directed this play. This guy was like a local New York legend. In the 80s, he got famous when he worked at Newsday, I think, because he, he befriended a lot of cops and like he was assigned to cover police in New York. And okay. he like exposed some ring of like 13 corrupt cops or something. It was a huge deal. And then later in the 90s, which we'll get to over the next several years of this podcast, he had some other really big profile stories. But like he, I guess at the time there was this other columnist named Jimmy Breslin. You ever hear of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, he covered the Mets a lot. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Well, he was a huge columnist. And uh, McAleary, you know, based on perusing the news tonight and the play that I saw five years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. wanted to be the Breslin. Okay. He made a name for himself and he sort of did become that. And there were a lot of bidding wars between like the Post, the Daily News and Newsday for trying to like rehire him. He worked at all three over the course oh, wow. of time. It was a local dramatic like news guy, you know? Sure. But he was in a, I think it was drunk driving, but I don't remember. But at 2.30 in the morning this this week, then he was driving down the FDR and uh, it was raining and he slammed into a barrier. Oh gosh. And uh, nearly died. Uh, and he's in the hospital right now. He pulls through. Yeah. Now, Good. this is tangential, which is never an issue on this show. Sure. So uh, in Lucky Guy, the play, it was Tom Hanks, and he was starring with Maura Tierney from ER and other stuff. Right. <laughs> News radio. Yes. Primary colors. Sure. Baby mama, I think. Okay. Mm, I don't know what else. <laughs> liar, liar. I win. Oh, great. <laughs> deep, deep pull. Um, she plays his wife. And there's a scene I found on YouTube from the play from like PR videos where uh, his wife in real life, I guess, had a knack for uh, reciting the stops on the Long Island Railroad. John, you don't even know. OK, so is this, uh, are we there? Is this are we is it time? Yeah. So listen to the clip. My wife can recite all the stops on the Long Island Railroad. In a conductor's voice. <laughs> she could. She absolutely could. Come on, do it. I don't want to oh, do come it. On, come on, come on. I love it when you say, Ron Kunkama. Yeah. Oh, come on. Come on, do it. Do it, do it, do it. The 701 to Babylon, now departing on track 16, Woodside, Jamaica, St. Albans, Lenbrook, Rockville, St. Albans, Renfreeport, Merrick, Belmore, Wantot, Seaford, Mazapequa, Mazapequa Park, Amityville, Copic, Lindenhurst, and Babylon. Yes! <laughs> I mean, yes. As you can imagine, Seaford. That's my hometown, oh, baby. Yeah. Wait. How many stops is that past Massapequa? Right before. Oh, right Wanta, before Seaford, Massapequa, Massapequa uh, right. Park. Yeah, we were so close to each other. Briefly. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that's that so, great? The on audience bang bang. went nuts. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Well, they all take that. Yeah. Yeah. On Comedy Bang Bang, John Gabris, who you oh, remember from of course. UCB. Yeah, he always plays a Long Island he, tool. He does. He plays and he ha- he plays this character named Gino Lombardo <laughs> on Comedy Bang Bang. And he's from Lo- uh, he's from Long Island uh-huh. and he talks about the local places, the local bagel place. My hero on Jer- on Jerusalem Avenue where you get bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches. And talks about loving Opie and Anthony. And he does what she just did. Just runs off the Babylon line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every episode. And I'm just like. That's they so talk all the funny. Time. They're like, yeah, they're like, this is hitting it very hard for about 15 people. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm one I'm of them. I'm one people. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He'll talk about Mulcahy's, this bar in Wanta. And sure. I'm like, I saw, I saw uh, gin blossoms there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
the best. Amazing. So yeah, that's a great, yeah. a great scene. Isn't Thank it? you for it's bringing that to scene. my attention. It's a great show. You should go to Lincoln Center and watch it. It's, uh, it's, uh, it was wonderful. Awesome. It was very moving. We'll touch in with him again. I think. Uh, don't get me started. Just sort of covered him. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got to listen to that though. Oh, that's cool. I haven't yet. Also, that is, uh, Will Hines and Anthony King's podcast. Yes. Yeah. Great. Well, you know, I got nothing here, but just to tease everyone. The Google apparently has New York Magazine archives oh. and they have full scans. And I'm looking at the magazine from the week this episode aired. Oh, that's pretty cool. But I found it at the end of my research today, so I didn't have time to look. But that's going to be no. fun. Yeah, good to know for the future. Good to know for the future. <laughs> but that's all the news that's fit to print this week. I love it. It was nice to get back to some old. I like a good manufacturing story. You know, like I love yes. I love the Christmas, to- the dreidel guy. Remember him sure. with lead poisoning and a little yeah. mental uh, yes. slowness from yes. all the lead. <laughs> Who said at least at least it makes me think like a child and good thing I make children's toys. <laughs> oh, my God. Good thing my job makes me more dumb. What a good city this, this is. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Oh, man. Fantastic. Well, what do you say, John? You want to talk about an episode of television? I actually got to take off. So uh, what you do that and. uh... (laughs) Yes, this was directed by a woman named Lee Shallot. Excellent. Chemel. Chemel. I don't know. She's a (laughs) TV director who's worked on everything, including Full House and Amen. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. And uh, The Middle is the show she's been on now. She's directed like, uh, it seems like all of them. Okay. That's a fun show. And she's like an old uh, theater actress, I guess. That makes sense. There's a lot of theater. This this has a theatery vibe. Yes. Very true. Also, I think she was involved in Family Ties. Yes, she was. She directed five episodes of that, including maybe. That makes sense. This has a bit of a Keaton family vibe. (laughs) I think she also was a Nazi. Sure, sure. This has a bit of a (laughs) SS mass extermination vibe. Because in uh, what's his name? Gary Goldberg. Yeah, Gary Goldberg's memoir. He talks about her. I'm glad you went the route of talking about Gary Goldberg's memoir versus Hitler? coming off of the fact that we were talking about Nazis. Yeah, I figured let's move on. Segue to Gary yeah, Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was written by uh, our old pal Billy Grunfest and Paul Reiser. Grunfest. Paul Reiser, of course, the uh, one of the lead actors on the show, plays Paul Buckman. Who's he again? He plays Paul Buckman. Interesting. So I don't know what you did for this. For this episode, to be honest, I didn't break it down by scenes. I didn't. I broke it down by like write moments. Very much at all. There's. <laughs> This is a great episode. I love this episode. I think it's my favorite now, and I think it is one of maybe the best episodes of anything that's ever existed. I don't disagree. That being said, I don't have a lot to say about it. Oh, well, this is going to be fun. Okay, why don't you take off and then I'll do it. It's because it's all it's all so good. And because it's not broken down into scenes, there's no it doesn't build to any, you know, oh, and then we have this joke at the end of this scene. And then we have this joke at the end of that scene. It's just all very funny. (laughs) And it's all one thing. And it's all two people talking in one room or in one yeah. you know, uh, setting, and then the show's over. For, and it's hilarious. For those who, who haven't seen it, basically the episode... For those three people. Yeah. <laughs> the whole episode is Paul and Jamie 
have like made this special night where they both like came home early from work and everything, and they were like, "Tonight we're gonna do it" because it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. well, you heard the TV guide description, but there's distractions. But this is the the most bottle episode because it also basically happens in real time. Yes, right. It, it completely happens in it real does, time. It yeah. does, doesn't it? Yeah, even the commercial break yep. when it comes back, it picks up right where it yep. was. It's got yeah. The same line is repeated. Yeah, it's two people and a dog in real time with a little appearance from Fran for like two seconds. Yeah, for literally she pops in and she pops out. Yeah, and it's an incredible feat. And yeah, it's like it just ends. Like you yeah. don't even it's think really about it. It's amazing. Yeah, this is um, this is one of the few. I won't say one of the few, but I remember this one. If you have the show, go watch it first. Yes. Because it's too good. It's too good. And I have too little to say. So <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get into it? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so there is a cold open. There is. And it starts with what I like to call a, a Jamie. Well, that's not a good nickname. A Jamie Buckman trick. It's not the best nickname. She pulls one of her little tricks. I get that. And she hasn't in a while. Yes. <laughs> They're in the bedroom. They're sort of like, you know, getting ready and doing the sheets or whatever. And she asks Paul if he chained the front door. And he's like, yeah. And she's a little worried maybe he didn't. And he's like, I definitely did. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, she like changes the topic and says she hears a humming. What? What? What is that humming? I don't hear anything. Did you leave your stereo on? I don't think so. Well, it's humming. <laughs> it's not on. Honey, while you're out there, could you check the front door? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very tricky. My dad, one day, I remember I was in high school. I was upstairs. He was downstairs. And he calls me downstairs. And I come down. And he just says, how you doing today, Russ? I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. Watching TV. Oh, yeah? Anything good on? No, nothing really, Dad. It's like, oh, okay, good. good. Hey, you want to uh, go into the kitchen and grab me a soda? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's why you have a kid. So if you don't want to call it a Jamie... You could call it a Gene Fader. <laughs> That's a great nickname. <laughs> also, it sounds like a faded Gene. It does sound like a faded yeah. Gene. Oh, Fader, right. <laughs> faded. What, what were you saying? I just It sounds like faded Jeans. Faded Jeans? <laughs> okay. A little. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. We come back for the cold open. <laughs> lots of things sound like lots of things. Yeah, that's so. true. Uh, it sounds like uh, lox and cream cheese. <laughs> So we come back, yes. And now we're in the bathroom, and they're mm-hmm. doing their little teeth ritual. <laughs> yes. That their we all do. teeth ritual. Yeah. <laughs> Make it sound like they're cutting out somebody's heart. Right. No, they're, or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how I refer to teeth. The heart thing I call a teeth ritual. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Jamie's <laughs> flossing, and suddenly these notes seem so dumb. This is, okay, just full Why? disclosure, this is going to be a little like when someone describes something, and it's just way better to watch it. Yeah, that's why I don't have a lot to yeah. say. <laughs> so Paul thinks it's too much floss. Okay, so it doesn't matter. We learned Paul's mom bought them an electric blanket in the conversation, and uh, mm-hmm. she says, what's the occasion? And he, he makes a joke, because his blanket they had Shay, which made me yes. wonder, Russ, have you been to any, uh, as a kid, any special Mets days or now even? I once received a puzzle of Mike Piazza. <laughs> a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> that was given out in a little can. <laughs> this past weekend. Oh, so you I were in Mike Piazza game. puzzle in a can day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We called the Piazza in a can. Absolutely. Yeah. This past weekend, I went to the Mets game with 
a bunch of people from the Magnet Theater. Uh-huh. I've been setting it up for months, and... I thought you all were polar opposites. What do you mean? It's a Magnet joke. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's good. <sighs> or something. The Mets have a pitcher named Noah Syndergaard. He has long, blonde, flowing Yeah, he sounds hair, like a Viking. And he throws... Yeah, and yeah. he throws 100 miles an hour. <laughs> wow. And Wait, literally? Yeah, and his nickname... Yes. Right now, he's on the disabled list, so that's a bummer. But regardless, his nickname is Thor. <laughs> yeah. So the Mets partnered officially with Marvel. Whoa. And they had a bobblehead of Noah Syndergaard as Thor. Wow. And they gave those bobbleheads away to the first 15,000 people to come to the game. Oh. Now, the place fits 42,000. That's it? So that's it. That's not it's very many. Relatively, it's a relatively smallish place. Yeah. Uh, City Shea Field, guys. 55,000. Uh, now we're talking. Yeah, yeah exactly. You got to break the 50 barrier. My gosh. <laughs> People want to see a ball game. So <laughs> you're right. So, uh, but yeah, they had bobbleheads for the first 15,000 people. I knew I was going to be late, so I didn't know if I was, I, I was very confident that I wasn't going to get one. Mm-hmm. But other people... We're going to be early. Uh, they said maybe yeah, they maybe. would. Yeah. <laughs> but they were also like, game starts at seven. I'll get there around six. And I didn't have the heart to tell these people, you're going to need to get there at around four o'clock. Are you serious? To stand a chance. Well, because not only is 15,000 not a lot. Well, but that's also, like 25 percent of the stadium. Sure. But you also have to remember that people who just collect Marvel stuff yeah. are going to come and they're going to come early. Oh, those Marvel and heads. They <laughs> they showed pictures of the lines at like three o'clock and it was hundreds of people long. Oh my god. Doors didn't open until four. The doors open at four for us or they they just special that day because of the giveaway. I think maybe because of the they giveaway. don't just open yeah, I think, hour, three hours before a game, do they? They do. Really? Because you can come in and watch batting practice. Oh, that's pretty cool. I think I knew that. Yeah. It used to be even cooler because in the past two weeks, they put up nets along the first and third baseline mm-hmm. to protect the crowds. Mm-hmm. But uh, they used, used to not to be do able that. To, and so you yeah. could get balls yeah. and get a concussion. Talk to players and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could lose an eye. It was the best. Yeah. The best. Wow. So no one got one. So nobody in our group got one. Okay. But it was a great game. Mets were losing 4 nothing, and then they were losing 5 nothing, and then they came back to win 6 to 5. Hey. Walk off homer in the bottom of the ninth. Beautiful. Totally great. Yeah. No blankets, though. Electric or otherwise. Well, I wouldn't think so. What a horrible giveaway that would be. Nothing compared to a Mike Piazza <laughs> puzzle in a can. My gosh. <laughs> so, you know, they move into the bedroom now after the toothbrushing right. and the mouthwash and the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole episode is just very realistic. Insanely realistic. Yeah. With moments of, you'll see. So they head back into the bedroom. And that's when we learned that the reason they haven't done it in a while is because Paul has been really busy with his documentary, his new documentary. Yes. And his cameras. New York at night. Yeah. New York at night, which is a great. I would go watch that, especially in 93. (laughs) Yikes. The cameras broke. Huh? When they first said New York at night, I was just like, that's vague and and uh, well, nonspecific, which is the meaning of vague. Mm -hmm. But the more I thought of it, I was just like, no, that could be a lot of different things. I like it. Yeah. No, it's I think it's we can all imagine what it is, I think. Sure. It's a bunch of shots Plus, of uh, New York at night. <laughs> yeah. And who doesn't want to see that? Plus, there's a built-in sequel. New York. Oh, with, uh, <laughs> oh I missed the great joke. Well, okay, I don't want to call it great. <laughs> but the, the right joke would be Los Angeles at night. Uh, you're not wrong. Yeah, that's the right one. I would definitely rather watch Los Angeles at night than New York during the yeah, day. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so he's shooting his documentary. His camera's broke. And it sounds like once they're fixed, it's going to be two more weeks. And then he's out of the woods on shooting. Mm -hmm. But because the camera broke, he had the night off, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, they're both ready for bed. And they start climbing into the bed. And Jamie starts flirting a little, thinking they're talking about uh, what they're about to do. Listen, two more weeks, this film will be done. I won't be shooting nights anymore. Well, you're here now. Let's make the most of it. You know what? I think it's going to be pretty good. It's gonna be great. See, I was talking about my film. <laughs> yes, honey, New York at Night is a great idea. Yes, honey, New York at Night is going to be a great documentary. Yes, honey, you are the premier filmmaker of your generation. Okay, I'm aroused. <laughs> he loves compliments. In this case, I, I more than it, ever man. before. But he, yeah, he really loves them. Really <laughs> loves compliments. <laughs> yeah big time it's a lot of it's a fun little exchange there well because they make and it's just yeah. it's no it's just fun to watch them this kind of mood doesn't change the whole time the whole episode there's no peaks or valleys it's just kind of like are we gonna do this yeah oh it's just not quite happening well yeah i think it changes a little later sure at the very at very the end, very very end sure 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 yeah but yeah no it's they're both really making an effort to make this happen. Yes. And there's pressure, you know, which is the best way, which right. is the best way to make sure sex happens. Yeah, cuz there's a lot of pressure. To make a big effort. Yeah. Cuz they, you know, <laughs> their schedules, which also is a throwback to the pilot. Right? Because at that time, they, they hadn't done it in a while, and it bothers Jamie. Oh, which they mm -hmm. actually allude to later in the episode, I just realized. Yes, they do. Aha! They do. Yes. How about that? Boy, you know, for not remembering anything that happens the week before, they sure do also remember everything that happens the week before. Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. So they get into bed, and uh, Jamie discovers that Paul left a Belgian chocolate on her pillow, like at a hotel. Very sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's very moved by it. Yes. You are a prince. I'm telling you. Can I eat it now? It's up to you. Are there more? No. <laughs> I'm going to eat it now. A nice touch. But the, the idea to combine can I eat it now with are there more is so specific and real, right? Mm -hmm. But also a question that you never ask out loud normally, right. but you think it. <laughs> yeah, it's I guess such that's a true. crazy, impressive, realistic thing to put in here, I feel like. You learn a lot about the character. Because, yeah, it's like if there were more, I think she would definitely eat it now. Absolutely. And she ends up eating it anyway, but it's a decision. Yes. It's like, yeah, you know what? The talking about it's put me in the mood to eat it. I wouldn't even think of asking that question. Really? Yeah, I would just eat the chocolate. Uh, you're a real uh, caveman. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, John, I get that all <laughs> the time. <laughs> Russ Fader, you're a real caveman. <laughs> so they're about to do it when I wrote Murray. And this is the Murray beat now. Mm -hmm. And uh, at this point, Murray hops in the bed and he lands on Jamie's sweater. And Paul makes yep. a funny joke. Sweater. No, no, no. Uh, why'd you tell him it's a sweater? He thought he got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very yeah, funny joke. <laughs> this show, this show, probably had uh, the most laugh out loud moments for me out of any episode so far. I don't know if it had the most laugh out loud moments, but I smiled through the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Fair. So Paul. Now, oh boy. Okay, so Paul asks how Murray did with the mouse. And this is when the episode introduces, in my opinion, one of the funniest bits <laughs> that's ever been on Mad About You that I forgot about. It's easily one of the funniest recurring bits from Mad About You. It's one of my favorite things from television Wait, ever. does it recur in multiple episodes too? I'm trying to remember that. I think it does. Oh, 
So Jamie and because I, I said to Jen, I was just like, I had the same thing where I was just like, does this happen more? Right. Or did I just expand it in my mind? And she was like, no, like in seasons later, this just happens. Oh, I think that. Yeah. OK. So Jamie informs Paul that for the past week. So basically we, we established. Yeah. Murray's been on the hunt for this mouse that Paul was aware of. But it turns out that for the past week, Murray hasn't actually been chasing a real mouse. And she sort of lays out what's actually happening. He thinks there's a mouse, so he runs after nothing 90 miles an hour and slams into the wall. This pathetic furry thud. <laughs> you know, we always com- uh, compliment the Foley work on this show. This is genuine. This is it just when I thought it couldn't get any better. This Ugh. guy or gal, that is the funniest thud. It's so funny. It's like a bunch of different noises, but they're all the same level. Like, it's such a th- it's such a dampened thud. It's great. It made me laugh so hard. I, the guy deserves an Emmy, I think. I don't know if there's fully Emmy or I don't know what it would be. Sound, whatever. But give it. To, my God, give it to him. Throughout the episode, we see Murray running a bunch of different times a bunch of different walls but just the idea and we see it a bunch right now of him just running across the bed mm-hmm. and then you don't see him for a few seconds and then you hear this stuff yeah it's the perfect classic thing of like enter frame leave frame boom it's great it's so funny i had a counter oh okay murray chases the mouse seven times oh my this episode. that's so many head bumps <laughs> it's so many head bumps I mean, he does it so many times later in the episode, Paul even is willing to call him stupid. Yeah, yeah. Not too long from now. Yeah. He shakes his head and says, it's so stupid. (laughs) But Jamie keeps just, you know, they keep talking about Murray's behavior. And uh, Jamie Mm sort of sums it up like this. Like that? All day long. Run, 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 boom. Run, 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 boom. (laughs) Could you just do that again? Run, 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 boom. (laughs) No, never mind. What? Yeah, I thought it was something, but it's not. You're so cute. Run, 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 boom. Run, 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 boom. That. It's cute when you do it too, John. Oh, my. Yeah. That felt like something out of rehearsal. Or, like, you know what I mean? It's so based on the, her read of it. The fact yes. that that's even a thing it, to talk about. Well, the fact that they talk about it is it may be about her performance of it, but it's also just there are certainly those things where your partner will say something and it'll catch you off guard and you'll just be like, oh, that's really sweet. Or that's right. You're really great. Yes. And it's neat to see that just kind of happen. You buy it. You totally buy it. Yes. But all and then also to get the funny moment of once you put a light, a, a spotlight on it, it's dead. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's nothing worse. Yeah. You can catch that when it is in the dark, but you're you put it very well. As soon as you shine a light on it. It's like, no, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not singing it again. (laughs) This episode, I think now that I'm thinking about it, is a lot of like they're speaking their subtext. And because subtext is often relatable, to hear it out loud is funny. Yes. Like they're speaking their relatable subtext and, in joke form. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's that's so very, specific. That's very, uh, very smart, John. Well put. Ah, thank you. I, I For once, I got the dunce hat on. Just kidding. <laughs> that's not what that means. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was speaking my subtext. <laughs> <You've>... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I love it. Throughout my notes after each one of these beats, I just have 
an ellipsis followed by they're about to do it when. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Jamie remembers she forgot to call Fran back and Fran's having right. a bad day. So it's important because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Fran's let's not forget going through the breakup of a marriage. Right. And so Jamie's trying to be supportive. Paul is saying, relax. She's yeah. going to be OK. Right. And uh, they start making out on the bed like she he, he convinces her to like let it go for now. And they're just like right. they're really making out, you know, she's on her back like they're splayed out on the bed. And this is sure. when after a beat of making out, Murray just comes sprinting into the frame, hops over the bed, clears the frame. And a beat later, thud. Boom. <laughs> I this one's again. this is the first hysterical one. The last it's one's so funny. Good. This one. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's been gone for long enough that you forgot. Right. And then there he is again. And also, you know, this is so satisfying and so predictable in a way. And they do this in plays all the time where they'll just describe a behavior ahead of time. And then when you see it a few moments later, it's hilarious. It's wildly, wildly You know, like in, in the first scene of a play, they'll be like, oh, wait till Jerry gets here. He's going to ask you about the weather. And then he comes in and his first yep. line is, how's the weather? And everyone laughs, including me. Wow. Yeah. And it's so it's like uh, so obvious and manipulative and worth it. It's Chekhov's mouse hunt. Yes. It doesn't have to be. No, I think so. Well, great. I don't know about mouse hunt. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Okay. I'll punch it up. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You know what? Yeah, I think, do that. I think we've uh, I think we've said this before, haven't we? Chekhov's blank. Yes. As it pertains All the to. Time. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, this may be our fourth time talking about Chekhov. Yeah, once we cite Chekhov <laughs> in a podcast, we have to fi- find a metaphor for Chekhov's gun by the end. It's Chekhov's, <laughs> Chekhov's gun gun. So after that beat, Jamie tries to get the mood back by putting uh, their alarm clock radio on to find some mm-hmm. music on the radio. And she yep. finds some Patsy Klein, which is not right. the right mood for Paul because uh, right. she died <laughs> in a plane crash. Died in a plane crash. So she starts yep. messing with the radio. Not really, not really perfect. What? What's the matter? I don't know. Patsy Klein, and I'm thinking plane crash, death. <laughs> I don't need that right now. And now here's Jimi Hendrix. Dead. Harry Chapin's taxi. Also dead. Why can't these people just take care of themselves? (laughs) Why can't these people just take care of themselves? That is not fair. It's so dark. It's so like... (laughs) Yeah, Jimi Hendrix, Harry Chapin, Janis Janis Joplin. How did Harry Chapin die? Car accident Uh, on Long Island. Really? Yep. Did Billy Joel uh, crash into him or... (laughs) (laughs) That is the low blow. I'm so sorry. And I don't mean to make fun of this guy's death. I mostly just did that for a buddy Gary... (laughs) Because I know he's doubled over right now laughing. Because for those who don't know, because Russ is from Long Island, and I guess a Billy Joel fan, I don't know. We I don't even know why we do this, uh, yes, but sizable. Gary and I mercilessly troll him about Billy Joel being a, a drunk driver in the old day, like tw- tw- 10, 20 years ago. Somewhere around the early 2000s. Yeah, he, look, what did he do? Crash into two houses? <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Every lighten up about Billy Joel. I mean, can you imagine if Billy Joel just came driving through your wall? Oh my god, it would be so good. And then didn't sing? (laughs) Oh my goodness. At the least, I'd be like, you're coming back Saturday, we're having a barbecue for the neighborhood, and you are performing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, look, if if Billy Joel drives into your home, you book him. Yeah, that's right. I don't care about the wall, leave the wall. Mm -mm Mm-mm. 
Um, oh, so she settles. Jamie yeah, flips through. Yeah, Jamie settles on some Beethoven. Oh, with the the famous one. What which was that? Five or nine? Beethoven's fifth. Yeah, fifth. Yeah, da, 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 da. the theme song yeah. from the movie Beethoven. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that what we're talking about? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's so they start making out to that. <laughs> And after a beat, Jamie's just like, this is too much pressure. Too much pressure. Have you ever tried to make out to classical music, Russ? No, I have not. Have you? I've thought, because my records, I have a lot of classical. Okay. I think it's fun to put a record on when you when you make out. So I always look through it for a second, and every time I tug myself, I'm like, you know what? That's not a good idea. So you don't go classical? No. Last time, uh, me and my girlfriend uh, were smooching on the couch. We uh, put on Abbey Road. It's a good one. Yeah. I, did, I, I had no idea how good it fit with uh kissing for sure yeah. but you know it's an old cheap record so sometimes it skips sometimes you know you gotta flip it over it happens yeah yeah but plus side one ends with that abrupt end to uh i want you she's so heavy yes yes where it's just things get all hectic and chaotic and then it just ends and then you're stuck making out yeah to silence yeah <laughs> <laughs> the most uncomfortable thing in the world <laughs> so uh Oh, so Jamie keeps flipping because it's too much pressure. She finds a Yankee mm-hmm. game and Paul yep. Paul wants her to stop on it. <laughs> and she's like, no. <laughs> Don Mattingly had done something. Yeah, right. Jamie is not having it. <laughs> so she settles on this insanely whimsical, but still somehow like elevator music style pan pipe kind of song, right? A, uh, an island. That's generous, though, I think. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, is it one of those big silver things with the mallets? A steel drum, yes. I believe that's... It looks like a salad bowl with ripples. Yep, it's one of those salad bowl songs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't... mm, But it's not like a classic... uh, Salad bowl? It sounds like a ringtone. It sounds a little (laughs) like marimba. It sounds like a ringtone. Okay. It doesn't sound okay. It could be, you know what? It could be a maroon, but yeah. Yeah, It sounds a little like that. Which, quite honestly, is a little bit of a dig. You judge for yourself. Another two seconds, I may not need you. So the I may not need you, I'm sure you could all imagine what it is. But Paul, because it's so whimsical, starts doing the funniest little dance on the bed on his knees. Yes. Where he's just like twisting. He's getting very into this. Yeah. <laughs> the music of the and island. She's loving it, like watching it. Yep. And now he's doing something cute, you know? <laughs> but then, you know, because he's shifting back and forth, you know, in a few seconds, I might not need you. Okay, so we all know what that is. <laughs> so dot 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 they're about to do it when murray runs back again perfect <laughs> it's the wall very funny uh so they shot they start shuffling around the bed they get back into it again and uh this time jamie they rearrange themselves and jamie hits her funny bone on the bed frame right and like hops out of bed like ow 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 screaming yep. and paul recovers very nicely gets the mood Don't back lose it. Don't, yeah. lose the mood. Yeah. Don't lose the yeah. mood yeah he's dancing he's- Kissing her neck. Yeah, because she's dancing around in pain. And he just like grabs her arm or something and starts like running around as she moves, kissing her to like just keep it going. Mm-hmm. So dot, 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 they're about to do it when the phone goes off. And then they screen, zoom in on the answering machine. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I will not have rent references at this stage in the game. And it's your mom. <laughs> it's Jamie's mom talking about <laughs> visiting the doctor. 
nothing to be worried about. It's just the callus. She says they'll slice it right off. Jamie, are you there? Are you there? Are you screening your calls? Ja- oh, Russ, don't. Don't do rent. <laughs> <laughs> F me for yes ending, I guess. <laughs> hey, remember when everyone loved rent and then everyone said it was trash? And then a few years from yeah, now, everyone's going to love it again? <laughs> I'm sure you're right. Because everyone's sophisticated and no one's predictable? <laughs> Oh, I hate people. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so they're trying to keep it going through the voicemail. And when she gets to slice it right off, Paul's like, just pick it up. Pick up the phone. So they get back into bed. Paul joins her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're on the phone. She's on the phone with her mom. And Paul's trying to like keep the mood going and get her to hang up, right. basically. Mm-hmm. And Jamie's like, we're not doing anything, mom. Well, you know, yeah. and Paul's just like, we're having sex. Tell your mother we're having we're sex. We're having sex. Tell her we're having uh, sex. Which killed me. Uh, again, it's unsp- <laughs> It's like it's, it's all unspoken. You know what I mean? No, yep. Nobody really says that. You just, you think it. <laughs> yeah. It's a very... Uh, or you could, I mean... Or you say it yeah, as a joke. Probably, or you say it as a joke, which I think he was. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At which point, Murray runs across again. Thud. <laughs> yeah. And this is where Paul says, he's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, right. So Jamie uh, hangs up eventually. She's like, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow and tomorrow. What is that? Oh, Macbeth. Okay. Macbeth, yeah. Yeah. So Jamie needs... Jamie, Jamie starts quoting <laughs> Jamie convinces Paul to kill his editor. <laughs> <laughs> to kill the head of PBS. <laughs> so that they can run his film. Oh. He's the Thane of Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's good. <laughs> oh, so Jamie's stressed out so, yes. by the call. So she needs chocolate. She needs some chocolates. She retreats to the kitchen. Yeah. On her way out through the living room into the kitchen, she has a fun little exchange with Paul. Did I tell you Larry got that thing? Oh, good for Larry. I know. Isn't that great? Oh, great. Now he'll be right near his house. It's nowhere near his house. I don't know who Larry is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know who Larry is. I love that so much. I do, too. Also so realistic. Mm-hmm. Just these little tidbits of nothing. Like, and it's like, you know, that person you think you know, that they mention yeah. every time, every now and then you might have met yep. at a party. Yep. And then turns out you're way off. Yeah. Happens suddenly, to me. Yeah. You play along, and then suddenly you're just like, oh, wait, no, I don't know who that person is. <laughs> and also you don't know who you were thinking of anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're just in no man's land. You're like in the middle yeah, of a memory nobody, wasteland. You can't remember what anybody's face looks like. Yeah. You don't think you've ever seen one in your life. <laughs> and then you wake up and you're in the pod from the Matrix. Right. <laughs> and then you go, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I just pictured Larry David waking up <laughs> in a pod from the Matrix and then a tuba playing. <laughs> oh. So Paul comes in, you know, after the little exchange uh, to the kitchen. And by then, mm-hmm. Jamie's found the chocolate that he hid. But also, wh- why right. did he hide that? Ch- just because he knew she'd eat it? Maybe. I think maybe he just had them and put them away. And then Jamie found them. But she says he lied. Oh, do you think he just forgot? Maybe. Well, we'll know. never know. We'll never, ever know. Oh, so Paul gets a drink from the fridge and notices right. some weird fortunes that are stuck to the fridge. And it turns out they're <laughs> leases. What is this? A man who laughs will show his teeth? It's my sister's. She's writing fortune cookies. She got a job? Not yet. She's writing them on spec. A whistling French man is no French man at all. (laughs) 
That is pretty silly. Some there is something about a man who laughs will show his teeth that like does feel like a fortune. That's true. It they both have the ring of fortune. The second one does not, I don't think, in my opinion. What was the second one again? A whistling Frenchman is no Frenchman at all. <laughs> no, you're right. That's nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> but the other one, a man who laughs will show his teeth. Yeah, feels like a man who laughs. That could be a thing. Yeah, like will show his teeth is like a euphemism for like will show you his heart. Will like express himself to you and and stand you know open. To sure. You. Or or yeah, will be or will be. Um, I think when an animal shows their teeth, they're trying to be dominant. Oh, right? yeah, could be that. Could be that. Or uh, one of those teeth rituals where your heart's about to get ripped out. <laughs> like that teeth scene from Temple of Doom. <laughs> oh, my God. So they... Yep. They head back to the bedroom, and uh, on the way, is Jamie the one bothered by the shelves or Paul? I was flying through yes, this. Yes, Jamie is bothered by the shelves. Ra- oh yeah, she asked him if he if any of them bother him, and he yes. says yes. Paul yes, wants her which ones? Yeah, right. Because <laughs> they do have a lot of shelves for whatever you know. I've always been confounded by their apartment a little, yeah. just like trying to figure out exactly. Clearly, it's lawless, but like trying to figure out why. You know, it puzzled me through sure. season one. I, I cracked it today. Oh. I think, and I think I've always said this, but I think especially now I see the genius behind the madness, and these set decorators are brilliant. <laughs> Real people are not great yeah. decorators, and they have stuff, right. and that's why this apartment is just their stuff, and, like, the couch doesn't go with the tea, and none of it looks crazy crazy. It's just, like, you look at right. it, and you're like, this doesn't gel. Like, the friend's right. apartment is gorgeous, but it's like, who, do, who you know, who sure. put this together? Thom from right. Queer Eye? <laughs> just Tom. Uh, what a, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I guess I knew. Yeah. Yes. But I wanted people to know <laughs> who I meant because you see it in print more than you hear it on the show. You see it once at the beginning so, when it says Thom. <laughs> so what you're saying now is you know it's Tom. You were saying Thom for the benefit of the listeners who may not have heard the name but have only read it in the show. That's correct. And honestly, I don't think it sounds as crazy as you expected it to by restating it. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't think it sounds crazy. I just don't think I believe you when you say it. No, I know it was Tom, I think. Okay. You know what? I don't know who Larry is. <laughs> you think. Uh... <laughs> so, oh, so they go back into the bedroom. This time, Paul unplugs the phone. And they're about to do it when Murray's back. Not running, just watching the two of them. Yeah, now he's just watching them. And in that, I don't even know. I think it was the shot of the three of them. Look, it the- would be bad enough. It would be bad enough having to deal with Murray running back and forth and slamming into the wall. Having Murray just sit and watch. Yeah. That is a bridge too far. Indeed. It's so, I don't, the visual of the three of them is so funny. It's really great. Just Paul Maui's tries to break it up face. by telling Murray to yeah, get the mouse. <laughs> Paul tries to get Murray to get the mouse. <laughs> Couple of really, really strong, really strong Maui episodes. Yeah, to Maui. To start this second season. Yes. No, you're right. They're finally like, you know what? Let's give him a meal for once. Yeah. Maui's agent must have got. Jen, Jen was like, do you think there are award shows for animals on television ah. and in movies? And I was just like, 100% absolutely yes. yes. And there, there are. And there were. Oh, amazing. I can't remember the- what they're called or who won them. I feel like Arnold from Green Acres had uh, an important role in them. I'm not positive. It feels but, like you uh, almost got to make the award, like the MTV Movie Awards, you know, right. where you sort of make the awards up based on the animals you got. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
Wait, the MTV Movie Awards make up <laughs> awards, right? Or no? Don't they like this year, like best lesbian kiss? Uh, they do that kind of more now, but uh, I see what you're saying. Oh, they don't. They didn't used to do that. You mean? Well, they've always had best kiss or best fight, but right. You know, I then see. recently, I think I know. I want to say a few years ago, but it really was closer to like twelve. They were like best movie that hasn't come out yet, and it's just like right, chill out, right? Yeah, no, they've become a real joke over there. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> <laughs> those awards have become a real joke. Well, look, this past year they did the MTV Movie and TV Awards, and I was just like, no. Oh, no. They introduced TV for the first time. Oh, right. And I was right, like, right. is nothing sacred? <laughs> Because what's the award for the MTV Movie Awards? It's a tub of golden popcorn. And as right. we already established earlier in this very episode, yes, I don't eat popcorn when I watch movies at home. That's right. You were joking no TV, though, right? No popcorn. <laughs> yes, all the time. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> I would love to see Arnold the Pig getting an award. Like I Think really would. I am. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe. <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. Oh, boy. I almost said, you know, maybe he spins a web. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, oh no, boy. Charlotte spins the webs. Charlotte, Charlotte did the spinning. Well, you know, some of these speeches are written by uh, writers. <laughs> so right. maybe true. the animals get the uh, spiders to. Uh... Yeah. It just had some. Well, frankly, pig. Arnold the pig is going to. Yeah. Arnold the pig is going to get up there. He's going to say salutations. We're going to be like, <laughs> you didn't come up with salutations. Ah. <laughs> <buddy." laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they're gonna be like, don't get political. So. <laughs> I'm so sick of people using these as a platform. <laughs> Perfect. So Paul and Jamie go back and forth with the window a little bit here. Oh, yeah. Paul opens the window. while ja So Jamie ushers Murray out of the room. And while she's doing that, Paul opens the window right. to cool it off, I guess. And she comes back and she's cold. Mm -hmm. But we get a classic. There's people out on the street and next door just talking. And you hear them through the window. Mm -hmm. Honey. What? What do you want for dinner? I don't care. What do you want? Chicken. All right, I'll have the chicken. Shut up. You shut up. No, you shut up. No, you shut up. I should shut up. Are you going to come eat or not? What are we having? Hey, hey, I'm trying to make love to my wife here. I already made love to your wife. I already made love to your wife. How, what? No, I was going to say, how did you like this scene? I bet you hated it based on that question. No, I no. Is this trope alert? I liked it just fine, but I, no, it is not trope alert. It could be. But uh, I saw this scene and I was just like, this scene was made for John Marbley. I mean, listen, I enjoyed the scene. I thought it was right. funny. It was made for John Marbley mm -hmm. in that it like uh, it's my sweet spot and it makes me feel like it's my ASMR, right? I get I feel warm and right. fuzzy. But then I already made sure. love to your wife killed me so hard. Perfect. O only partly so it it only works that well because you guys got to see Jamie's face. She is so appalled yes. by this comment that it is the funniest thing. But also like not upset. Jen said, and I think she's right. I think that's John Pankow. I bet you're right. I don't think it's him for the first lines of the sing-songy... No, those are totally different What do you want voices. for dinner? It actually sounds like that's Mr... Somebody else. It sounds like Mr. Seinfeld from season one. Yeah. Very specific, but you're it does, right. right? Yeah, you're right. The first Morty. But I already had sex with your wife. What? Sounds like... Uh, is it I already had sex with your wife or I already slept with your wife? I already made love to your wife. Because he goes, I'm trying to make love, love to your, your wife. wife. 
to my wife. Right. And he goes, I already yeah. made love to your I'm wife. Pretty, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Cousin Ira himself. Not as Cousin Ira, yeah, sure. but still. Oh, it's so great. Really good. So now they go, you know, they go, they go, he closes the window. They go back and forth a bit about the mood and sex and everything. And, you know, eventually Jamie's like, I got to go pee. So mm-hmm. Paul gets up and he's like, stand by the window. And while she's in the bathroom, he's inspired by the window. Yes. We didn't mention earlier, but his New York at night. Yeah. It was going to have something to do with the window. He didn't yeah, know what it was opening going to shot. be at the time. He was like, it's something yeah. about a window. And then she comes back into the and living room yeah. and he's like furiously typing on his furiously. Very, he's very mad as he types. No, that's not right. What's the word I'm looking for? No, you're. You're right. You're the furiously is the right. No, word. I guess it is. Okay. I'm teasing. Definition three. Uh, typing on his yeah, laptop. He's just typing, going, God damn it, God damn it, window, window, window. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So he's figured so out he's, the opening shot and he says it's inside, looking back out, looking back in, which I don't think anybody's ever done. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's right. I think Paul might be an idiot. No, oh, come on. <laughs> Really? I know he's a genius. I know he's apparently a great film director, but that's the dumbest thing he ever did here. Okay, let me set the... I don't know if this is really in the movie because I don't remember. But I, I remember my drama teacher in high school being like, they did a lot of like through the glass stuff in Virginia Woolf for the movie. You know, who's a friend of Virginia Woolf. Sure. What if there was a shot with Elizabeth Taylor standing in the glass door of their house looking out mm-hmm. at Richard Burton and you also see her reflection... <laughs> Would that be considered looking out and looking back in? Yeah. Boom. I think so. Bing bang boom. So what you so what you're saying? Yeah. So what you're saying is his idea is also derivative. Oh. oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I guess so. He's a hack. <laughs> he's a hack. <laughs> so while he's doing this work, Jamie's like, I guess I'll call Fran back, right. and then Murray runs back again, thud. And I think was this the first commercial break? It was. That's insane. Isn't that insane, yeah. guys? You know we how long we've been talking. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Do you know how long we've been talking? Do you know how little we've said? Absolutely. Almost nothing. We come back and it's moments later. They didn't yeah. skip it's any the same time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, because she's still repeat, on the phone. Yeah, she repeats the line. Yeah. The, when we go out to commercial, the last line before commercial is Fran, are you there? And when we come back, it's Fran, are you there? Pick up. Yeah, you're right. Uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So Paul's like, you know what? I'm ready. They're both ready. And then Jamie's like, you know what? Let's hang on a second. It's not amazing. They do that on Thundercats. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so what you're saying is it's derivative. It's yes, I think that they pulled this directly from children's television. The concept of repeating the last line from before a commercial after the commercial. I was so annoyed. I was like, she already said that. <laughs> so Jamie's like, they're both ready, and Jamie's like, you know what? Enough of this. Let's just do it. And this and Paul is hesitant. Yeah, about he's this a little concept. confused. Yes. Explain to me, so, so I'll know, how, how does this relate to last time? What was last time? Last time, you gave me this whole lecture on sensitivity. Yeah, well, that was then, this is now. <laughs> okay, see, my big mistake is, I listen to you. <laughs> I love when you listen to me. Yeah, no, but then, then you change. Of course I change, everybody changes. No, I don't, I don't change. I, I only change for you. You know, I'm over here and you're over there, so I'll go over there, and then I get there, and you're somewhere else, and then I'm in the wrong place for no reason. <laughs> And you know what? Really, it's not my fault. You're right. Let's do it. Just like that. Bing, bang, boom. At this point, I'd settle for the boom. You don't want the bing and the bang? I did when we started. And now? I'm over it. You're a very complex woman. You don't want the boom? Of course I want the boom. 
Guys always want the boom. We only made up the whole bing and a bang just to get the boom. I thought you liked the bing and the bang. I love the bing and the bang. I, I don't always need it. Neither do I. So then what are we arguing? We're not. All right. So the last time, you know, she was like, you got to be a little more sensitive. Mm-hmm. At some point, this shifts into what feels like, but isn't, a scene from, like, Friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? The bing, like, we only made up the whole big and the bang just to get to the boom. If, like, remember that Pink Floyd scene from the soundtrack where Chandler's talking about it's like the comedian you got to sit through before Pink Floyd comes out? I don't remember that. Wait, really? It's like one of the most, everyone remembers. Every, listeners, tweet at Russ. Which, which episode is this? Like, Two, maybe, maybe in the cold open. It's on the soundtrack, the clip, because it's, you know, and they're talking about making love. And uh, they're talking about, I think about how the guys are like, oh, you know, kissing stuff. That's like the comedian you have to sit through before Pink Floyd comes out. And then blah, blah, blah. And the girls are like, you better listen to that comedian or you're going to end up sitting at home listening to Pink Floyd alone. I don't think I like friends anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not a good paraphrasing. Oh, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for this. (laughs) Gosh, I hope so. You know what? If I butchered that, tweet at me. I thought you were going to say tweet at Russ. No, no. never said tweet at me. I know. I feel like I really butchered that scene. But... You know what oh, I mean, man. though? The whole Big Bang Boom. The guys always want the boom. Sure, sure. Oh, but it's so, um, on a, is it onomatopoeia? No, but the way the words sound is funny. <laughs> it's that onomatopoeia. Yeah, they're funny sounding words. Yeah. It's, this it's feels not also like, this, but... feels like a, this feels like a Seinfeld bit to me. Yes, that this is feels true, like too. The, uh, this feels like saying yada yada all the yes, time. Yes, yeah. We do the wiki after the walkie. Let's do the wiki exactly. after the walkie. Yeah, yeah, No talkie? Yeah. Just walkie? No talkie? It, yeah, yeah. Yes. We made up the bing and the bang just to get to the boom. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Oh. You don't want the boom? I want the boom. Of course I want the yes. boom. Yes. Yes. No boom. Yeah. Oh, you cracked it, Russ. No boom. You cracked it. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to be able to sleep. Oh, boomless. Oh, it's so, guys, it's so weird when Russ does George Costanza because he looks like him a little too, and it's very accurate. <laughs> There's a lot going oh, on, George. It's very good. It's very good. <laughs> so, again, they're about to do it when the door goes off. Well, they go back to open the door, and as they walk by the shelves again, Jamie just goes for it and says, you know what? I think those top two shelves are gratuitous. Yep. And they open. Paul wants her to let it go. <laughs> uh, so they open the door. It's Fran, and she's in her jogging clothes. And she's like, "You didn't call me back, so I jogged down." Mm-hmm. She jogged. She jogged eighty six blocks yeah. in the middle of the night. So what? What do they live on? Like tenth, right? Yeah, around twelfth or so. Well, yeah. So she like lives that. on ninety eighth Street in nineteen ninety three. Or, or thereabouts. That's a little, that's really high up there. Yeah. Don't you think? A little for a doctor? Sure. And PR? Wasn't 93, wasn't the Upper West hey, Side a little dodgy what? in 93? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Look, man, you do the news. I just know that it wasn't on television at the time. What wasn't? I don't get it. That area of New York. Uh, <laughs> well, you oh, cover the news, oh. so you'd know whether or not that area was dodgy or not. Yes. I just know that there was no failed sitcom about it. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic about something I forgot or not. No, not right now. Wait, are you now? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a sarcasm I'm, spiral because there's no way to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. John, I'm being really serious now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, this is going to bother me. Okay. Uh, so, so Fran, yeah, she's like, Fran, feel my ass. Fran wants them to feel her ass. Yeah, because it's she's been, I, she's been as many do after a breakup, she's been working out like crazy. Yep. And she comes in again, like they always do on the show, which I love with this like bombastic, crazy, like full of life, full of mm-hmm. like what I've been up to and the circumstances right. I'm coming here from. Oh, so then she starts going on a little tear about her life. Have you heard from him? needs him. I'm a rock. I'm an island. Feel my thoughts. John, we believe you. Fran, I think it's great you're getting out, but do you really think it's safe to jog through the city at night by yourself? Oh, I love it. It's like I'm seeing it for the first time and I'm doing it all by myself. I go to the gym by myself. I go to museums by myself. I go to couples counseling by myself and I'm going to die by myself and that's just fine because my life is great. What's new with you? Um, How come you're undressed so early? I'm going to die by myself and that's just great. What's new with you? That's so funny. Yeah, she's great. That's so funny and and sad and great. It's all so del- sad. It's delivered very well. It's very good. Yeah, I've liked Friends two appearances this season very much. Uh, was Friends first one? Yeah, because the first no. Yeah, the first one was uh Mark was and Fran. Remember the dinners with Mark and, and Fran? Oh right, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. No, I know it feels like yeah. a while ago. Well, then I stick by what I said. I liked her in both of these episodes. <laughs> yeah, I love this season. So far. Yeah. I think it's standing to be better than the first season. It's really fun. I like where they are. I like where they're going. And uh, I like where they've been. Good time. <laughs> okay. I'm not so uh, I'm not so fond of where they've been. <laughs> so. so she takes. Uh, so she finally like because from the moment she entered to the end of that little speech, she's just been like uh, nonstop, you know, and she finally takes a breath mm-hmm. and she sees that they're already changed for bed. And I guess it's not that late. Mm-hmm. And she put, immediately puts together right. what's happening. She's been married. She's been there. Right. She knows what they're up to. Sure. And she immediately, and she's also good at her, you know, she's PR really makes these people sharp, I guess. Or you got to be mm-hmm. sharp to be in PR. That's what it is. So she lets <laughs> herself out immediately. And as she leaves, she tells Jamie, you weren't kidding about his ears. Right. And now we're into the ears bit. Jamie says it's just, Paul's like, what does that mean? And Jamie's like, oh, it's an expression. What'd you say? You weren't kidding about my ears? Why would you be kidding about my ears? I wasn't. So why would she say that? It's an expression. You weren't kidding about his ears? I never heard that. (laughs) It's a girl thing. You know, like guys have... What? Hi, how you doing? (laughs) Hi, how you doing? (laughs) That's really silly. There's a lot of moments where just Paul saying the words in this episode just makes me laugh. Yeah, he's it's, he's very funny in this show. Not in life. <laughs> uh, Jamie informs him that his ears get red when he's turned on. And this is a thing that they do in the yeah. What? No, she she says you know you get your ears get red when you get turned on, and then to prove it, she brings him over to a mirror mm-hmm. and kisses him. I wish you knew that in junior high. I would have carried my books up here. They make out for a little bit, and we are to believe that his ears get red. Oh, but they didn't? Except, yeah. Oh, is, what a travesty. No, oh, I'm just no. saying, this is, if you're going to, like, uh, as far as picking nits go. Oh, AV Club, are you on this? Is Vulture on this? <laughs> Look, when something is as good as this episode is, you have to pick the small things to get mad about. Because I'm not going to not pick on this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to just enjoy a thing. You know, even I thought of it for a second. It didn't bother me, but like I was like, oh, yeah, your ears aren't red. It's the sort of thing, you know, you can do that in a play, which is what, again, what this feels like. Well, she could. Yeah, she could have done it. 
and we buy it. Oh, she could have. But um, then they. No. My idea is crazy. I see what you're doing. She could have pinched his ears. That or just smeared uh, <laughs> smeared something on them. Smeared ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> Your ears bleed profusely when I when you turned up. <laughs> Because they did it also earlier when she bangs her funny bone in bed, and she doesn't. She acts the hell out of it. That I didn't notice. That looked very real. And there's a sound effect. The Foley guy, then. I think it's just her hitting, like, her hitting the side of the bed with her hand or something. Oh, very good. she doesn't hit with her elbow. Very good. I mean, she does a really good job, but still, if you're... If you're looking to poke holes in the fabric of the reality, like I guess I am. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. Then it doesn't stand up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Open your eyes, baby. (laughs) Oh, also, though. Look, if you didn't know that, you're going to freak out about this. Did you know her name is actually Helen Hunt and not Jamie Buckman? (laughs) I actually did know that. Oh, well, it it really bothers me. Oh, yeah. In that clip, though, also, it's another just perfect little, I would have carried my books up here. Do you remember that joke? That's a funny joke. Yeah, Uh, that's fun. It's so stupid. It's pretty dumb. Uh, It's great. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Oh, so Paul tries to turn the tables and is like, well, you have that blinking thing. And immediately she's like, you're making that up. (laughs) Yeah, you're making that up right now. I know you're lying. You do that thing with your mouth, which she then does. Yeah, right. Yeah. She knows him. So Jamie right. says she noticed the ear thing the first time Paul came over to her place. Right. And uh, yes. they bet $5. And then Jamie has her diary on floppy disk right there. Yep. She's got it saved. Which is unbelievable. 1993 style. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Right. And then they pull it up on her laptop. And this moment is like, you know, the anticipation they both have as they're looking through her. Like, you can feel the joy and anticipation of looking through an old thing. Am I crazy? Am I projecting? No, you're not projecting. I didn't see that when I was first watching it. But thinking about the scene now again. It's all absolutely there. Yeah, and like they're probably just looking at a blank screen. Yeah, I like that. I don't know if I we've like said it before, though. but they're very good actors. The best. Very good actors, not funny people. <laughs> so they find the entry. She searches for ears on the laptop. December 28th, which yeah. I thought was an unusual date. You did? Well, okay, so not crazy, but like... <laughs> like yeah, it's not D-Day, but it's, you know, 19, it, like, it's between Christmas and New Year's, which is a very specific time period, especially sure. to go on a date. Okay. Like, I feel like, the, you know, it's sort of an intimate week to go out. Okay. For Gentiles, I'll, Russ. I, I'll buy that. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> Are you like, well, it's more like two or there. three weeks. I, <laughs> I don't know, one week. I didn't think anything of it at all. So for you to be like, December 28th is an unusual date. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, just because that's a weird week. That's a funky week. Sure. The week, the week between Christmas and New Year's is always very, very strange. You know, everyone's true. wandering about with their families mm-hmm. and no one's at work and the city's kind of empty and like the people left behind or, you know, it's like a little like island of lost boys and uh, you know it's weird all you want to do is stay under the covers or go out <laughs> Ooh, the opposite of being under the covers great point well i tell you I what i don't want to do is uh <laughs> stay that? in but not be under the covers absolutely not covers have to be involved oh so they wear the uh diet they wear they read the diary entry well, green mini skirt thought his ears were gonna burst right off his head <laughs> So now, why would you tell this to Fran and you would never tell me? 
because it's personal. <laughs> She's my best friend. What, men don't talk about sex? Yeah, but not the truth. Right. That was another one. Him reading, ears pop off his head. They Just the words yep. in his mouth. I don't know why. Men don't talk, yeah. not the truth. So kind of true, depending on the men I know. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Also, she ranked the sex with balloons, which made me wonder, were there early yeah, emojis on the Mac keyboard that I don't remember? Great question. Like, he's looking at the thing. And he's like, oh, you gave two balloons to that one. Or did she just, like, do, oh, like, uh, yes, an open, open parenthesis yes. next to a closed parenthesis? That, that could be it. Well, yeah, when he was like, oh, that's clearly a balloon. Or, like, how you used to make, like, a rose out of a bunch of dashes and an axe. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, maybe it was ASCII art balloons. Huh. Well, we'll never know. We're going to find out. Okay. Oh, so they, they talk more. They reminisce a little more about how special that night was. They had champagne and pate. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. he showed her Casablanca for the first time. Right. And she's like, oh, no, I'd already right. seen Casa. And she, like, realizes what a big moment that was. She catches and she, herself. Yeah. yeah. And he catches Tries her. Tries to walk it back. Right. And she's like, honey, you think you're the first guy to show me Casablanca? And it, it turns out he's the first guy to tell her it was produced by Hal Wallace, who I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. Of all the old movie stuff I've gone to and seen, I never... Hal Wallace never comes up. I don't know. That is funny. I don't know who he is, even, to be honest. No, I have no idea who he is. Huh. Because I'm looking on IMDb, and there is no... How Wallace? Oh, I should go to Casablanca. Are you all enjoying this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> Was he blacklisted? No, just n- no, no. That's why it's notable. My God, the guy produced like every movie you've ever seen. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, even Little Caesar. I saw that. That was his first movie. Pizza, pizza. No, that'd be, yeah, no. That'd be funny, though. That'd be funny. No, but like Maltese Falcon, Barefoot in the Park. He couldn't produce a pizza out of a paper bag. Is that a a Glenn Gary reference? It is, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. But I do love the idea of David Mamet writing, you couldn't produce a piece of pizza out of a paper bag. I could totally see that. But it feels more American Buffalo. Yeah, one of his early works. Yeah, or Oleana, because really it is a college it show. Oh my god! Yeah, you could produce. You couldn't produce a Mike Piazza puzzle out of a can. <laughs> anyway, Hal Halby Wallace is a big producer that I'm embarrassed not to have known. Oh, we worked at Warner great. Brothers. Okay, guys, you go so ahead. Paul I'm just going to read this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Paul decides to try to recapture some of the magic by getting some champagne and pate, which they do not have. Yes, they have peanut butter and milk. Yes. They try to make that work. (laughs) Right. It's adorable. And then Jamie's inspired now, and she's like, ah, I'll put in our copy of Casablanca. Right. So she, and they reminisce for a minute. They're like, uh, oh, Paul says they were in bed. The first time they watched it, they were in bed before the Germans got Peter Lorre. That's very funny. Which is very early. You've seen (laughs) Casablanca, right, Russ? I have. Not very often, and I haven't seen it for a while, but yes, I have seen it. I just saw it at Film Forum recently again. First time on the yeah. big screen. I, nice. I went with a buddy. Oh, you know Charles, right? Gould. Charles Gould. I went with our friend Charles oh, Gould. Oh, yeah. Is he out there now? It, uh-huh. Great. He's out there now? No, no. This was in New York. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know, months ago. Oh, Forum, you said, yeah. They, they barely show old movies out here. It's a Travis. Right. But uh, it was like, you know, like a double date. And uh, I learned that night, and this could be wrong, but I think, and based on this episode as well, it might be more of a guy's movie. But all of us guys are walking around thinking it's like the one crossover movie <laughs> from a long time ago where we're like, oh, it's a love story. And my girlfriend, Christina, was like, I mean, yeah, I guess. But like, 
he basically shoves her on a plate and sets her off. Sure. And he decides her fate. And I was like, yeah, interesting. Because me and Charles were crying well, and the two girls, uh, <laughs> nothing. Well, all I know is that you. it's very important that we assign traditional gender roles to movies. Oh, so. here we go. Oh, here I, we uh, go. My, I'm calling, my host is Jezebel.com. <laughs> can't say anything to oh, Russ. Oh, boy. I'm sorry I brought it up. Anyway, okay. <laughs> you never thought of it as like a, a crossover? I'll say I do know that it is a movie that guys traditionally on film and stuff have showed to women in order to show they are sensitive. And yeah. the women will always cry up a storm. Right. And the guys will try to use that to emotionally manipulate yes, them. Yes, in real life, they don't. Right. The guys still try to emotionally manipulate, of course. But, oh, yeah. absolutely. No, 100% in my experience, <laughs> women don't cry. <laughs> Good for you. It's almost like Annie That's Hall. Great. Like, if, you know, it's, it's almost as if guys watched Annie Hall and they were like, oh, I got to show this. This is going to be a perfect because when you watch Annie Hall and you're in high school, you're like, oh, I can't wait to watch this with a girl because I right. like it. <laughs> Where's right. Casablanca? Yeah. And you're like, I can't wait to watch this with a girl because I like it and I know she'll love it. Right. And then right. she doesn't, but I do. So I was going to say, so girls are ne neither like Annie Hall nor Casablanca. So you're positing that women don't like movies now. <laughs> Might as well. You just can't please. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I'm working on my book, The Game 2. It'll be out. <laughs> It'll be out shortly. This also, it's a weird movie. So anyway, they put the they're about to put the movie on and make out. And I'm like, it's such a weird movie because it's, it's Nazis in war. And it's like a little romantic, but it's very stressful. Yes. I mean, Peter Lorre gets arrested by the Germans. Another guy just gets shot in the street. Then the Nazis. It's like making out during Dunkirk. Right. Or Schindler's List, like on Seinfeld. Yeah. Yes. But they don't uh, call it unusual in this one. So they put the movie on. Jamie puts the movie on. Jamie's taking the like dominant role now. Sure. Is that uncomfortable, too? I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> I heard a tone. I heard a tone. <laughs> Jamie is taking the dominant role. <laughs> You're so hesitant. She puts the movie on. She hops yeah. on top of Paul and starts kissing him. And we right. hear the movie start. It's, you know, one of their homemade tapes. Come on, big boy. Tell me who produced this. <laughs> Hal Wallace. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> <laughs> on Oprah. Hookers predict the Oscars. Did you die? Pretty funny. Pretty f I mean, the beat Pretty funny. Before predict and the Oscars it's <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, hookers predict the hookers Oscars. Predict the it's Oscars. so happy. It's so excited too. <laughs> it's one of the funniest oral jokes on the show. A-U-R-A-L. Yes. I, I had to do that in my head. But yeah, I I, I agree with you. Yeah. So now we get to what I call the frustrated beat. And this is where this is the moment where things change for a minute. You know, the tone changes. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul's just like, well, we just we know each other too well to just boom, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, so what do we do? And he's like, you know, tonight we just we do nothing. And that's they sort of talk through it and they talk about how if this happened a year ago, it would have made them crazy, which it did, which it did when they we were newlyweds. Yep, we have. Yeah, we have videotape. Right. Go to the videotape. Go to episode one of the podcast. <laughs> Go to the oral tape. Perfect. 
But, the, the, you know, they're comfortable now with the idea of just like, you know what? Not tonight. So Paul starts working. You know, Jamie's like, don't you want to just work on your movie? And he's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I do. So he starts working and Jamie grabs the chocolates and then goes over to her shelves and grabs a book and sits on their other couch, you know, while Paul mm -hmm. sits on the love seat working. Right. And she bends the book cover back on itself like a monster. Oh, yeah. Wait. Okay. So what? There's an episode where this happens. Which one is it? Do you remember? Is there? A hundred percent, because I feel like you also said the exact same thing then. It's already happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In season one, where I think they're both reading, though, maybe, but like one's on the love seat, one's on the couch, and they keep, they, they were like, let's just read. And then after a while, they're like, uh, we don't want to do this. Right. Remember? I remember that happening. I remember that happening. Did they do the same thing with their book? I think so. Yeah, she did. I think. <sighs> yeah. And I think you called her a monster. And he put his feet on the couch, I think, with his shoes on, maybe. Oh, that sounds very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is uh, familiar terrain again. for these two. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she's reading and she's she's glancing over at Paul a lot, playing with her hair, trying to get his attention. As she walks over, yeah, she walks over to the bookshelf to get her book before all of this, and she kind of gives his butt a little squeeze. She does, yeah, just not like in a I'm going to advance this sexually kind of way, just in a hey, I'm here saying hi. I don't remember. I missed that. That's why he looks. Is that why he looks yeah. up? Um, and watches maybe? her? Maybe. Wow. Wow. But yeah, it's a pretty, Very it's a nice little pull. subtle moment. Yeah, yeah, wow. Anyway, after a beat of this, they immediately are suddenly in the mood, obviously, because they've mm -hmm. let it go. Yes. And they race they into the bedroom. focusing on it. And yeah. yeah. And that's the end of the episode. Yep. And then we come back uh, from the tag. Great tag, because we haven't had a good tag in a while. This is a fun This one, one is direct address. The two address. of them speaking directly to camera. And yeah. Maui. Yeah. Don't forget Maui. I never would. AKA Murray. Mm -hmm. They're all looking at the camera. We want to assure you that at no time during the filming tonight was our dog Murray hurt or abused in any way. As for the mouse, he was eventually caught and then released into his natural habitat. And, and she didn't really hurt her elbow. No, see? <laughs> and of course, she would, she would never really, you know, tape over Casablanca. The chocolates were real. Chocolates were real. And his hair will grow back. Let it go. <laughs> like it's a big secret you got a bad haircut? Just let it go. <laughs> It's not your fault. Let it go. Get <laughs> fucked. You think the haircut thing is like the TV movie thing where they were talking about a haircut all week? Maybe. I don't but know. But I also it's feel like the, peop the makeup people would probably cut his hair. Too. I don't know. I'm like something's up, right? I don't know. Something's up. Yeah. I'm like his hair looks fine. I that too. I You're get, right. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That's another one where we're like we're looking at him. We can see that his hair is fine. Yeah. Yeah. But it also doesn't feel that scripted. Right. This feels like the two. I mean, this is them as as themselves talking to us. I think so. And being goofy. Or it's it straddles a line where it's like, "Hi, I'm Paul Buckman. Right. And this is Jamie Buckman. Right. We're gonna drop the facade. You right. Know, I, I know that normally we live in this." world but we'd like to talk to you about things for a moment yes yes you're right they, they pick up a new facade yes yeah. but that's the show um, and it's fun yeah it's one of my favorite i think it might be my favorite episode it's a great i one. forgot it existed murray and, uh, murray and the mouse murray and the mouse Just, you can't beat and it you can't can't beat it with a stick john great work likewise this was a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got maybe. through it. You scared the crap out of me, and we managed. I scared the crap out uh -huh. of you? When you said, I have nothing to say 10 times before we started. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> here we are two hours yeah, later. Yeah, we made it. Having said very little. No, we've said much. We I don't know if any of it's worth listening to, but we said it. Well, I'll tell you who listened to it, and that is the Rise Guys and Rise Gals amongst you. 
Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you. You guys are the best. If you haven't gotten around to it yet, please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, on Stitcher. Tune in. I think. Yes. Uh, and it, Russ, in. I don't think there's a platform you could name that doesn't have our podcast now. Well, then I'm not going to go about naming. You know things. them all. And if you if you have one, and well, I don't know how you're listening to this. Then if you do, anyway, if there's one you want it on, let me know, and we'll put it on there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, reviewing would be. Oh, uh, those reviews nice are so great and helpful and uh spread the word tell your friends all those you know mad about you heads that you know are just chosen <laughs> for something like this <laughs> get the word out please do interrupt yeah. that meeting at we, work um, or send an email to your whole company you know stuff like that those of you who do that already it means the world thank you all so much those of you who don't start uh earning your keep a little huh how about that yeah the, if you if you don't just know that there are other people who do <laughs> and we're talking to them right now <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, follow us. Our theme. What? Oh, oh yeah. yes, please. At Mad no. About no. At, no. At, at Mad About You Pod <laughs> on Twitter, on Facebook. I guess that's it. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Those are the ones. Follow us. I'm at Russ. Fader. I'm at Johnny Marbles with no H. But who cares? And, Don't even uh, follow me. Just follow the Mad About You one. <laughs> our theme music is by John D. Ivy, and our logo is designed by Nathan Diffie. D-I-F-F-E-E. And, uh... Thanks to them. Uh, sorry. And our sound... <laughs> I never... Uh, guys, I never know where he's going to end with that thing. <laughs> Ever. Our sound mixing is done by Vuk Ivanovic. Thank, Thank you, you Vuk. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Killing it. Okay. This is it now. This is it now. <laughs> John, great job. Oh, there was a... Uh, Rise, it guys. doesn't matter. Oh, no, no. Well, what? we're about to say our yeah, his catchphrase, which is ours. Mm-hmm. But in the episode, he mm-hmm. says, I'm telling you... Which is a, an alternate version of it. A modification. A, modification. a variation on the Very theme. Indeed. 33 variations. 33 variations. <laughs> it's Moises Kaufman and Paul Reiser in a room. Only <laughs> <laughs> 33 versions oh, of his catchphrase. All right, let's get out of here. God. <laughs> rise, guys, and rise, gals. Thanks again. I am Russ And I'm Vader. John Marbley. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.